0: Presented by Kamyuk Ukulele Magazine, this is Ukulele Stories. First, a quick word from our sponsor. In a radical departure from its many series of traditional ukuleles, Kala has, for the first time, produced a ukulele made entirely of maple. The KAASFMC comes in concert and tenor sizes, and boasts beautiful, eye-catching, solid-flamed and highly-figured maple back and sides, with a satin finish. Both models have a florentine, or pointed, cutaway, giving it a clear point of difference to other Kala cutaways. In another Carla first, these models feature lovely purple heart binding on the front and back. The neck is also solid maple with a slotted headstock, and black and gold metal tuners which provide extra string tension and more volume. These maple ukuleles offer a clear transparent tone and ample projection with distinct note separation. A striped ebony fingerboard and bridge and black new bone bridge saddle and nut complement the high standard of quality that make these two new Carla ukes so appealing. Check them out today at carlabrand.com. Hello from Sydney, Australia. My name is Cameron Murray, and welcome to Episode 9 of Ukulele Stories. In this installment, I am chatting with my good friend Victoria Vox, who's been a fixture on the global ukulele scene for many years. She put out her first solo album in 2006, and in 2018 released her 10th, the Fantastic Colorful Heart. More recently, she's been performing with her husband Jack Ma as one half of Jack and the Vox, and the couple has been presenting fun online concerts from their home in California during the lockdown. As well as being a talented songwriter, uke player, and singer, Victoria is the best mouth trumpeter in the business, and it was a real pleasure to catch up with her for this episode. So, let's get into it. Victoria Vox, it's nice to see you.
1: Thank you. Nice to see you, Cameron.
0: Now, last time, I think, you are living in Baltimore, weren't you?
1: I was living in Baltimore previously. For the past four years, I've been in Southern California in yes, Costa Mesa.
0: Costa Mesa.
1: So we're, kind, we're in between the two low beach cities of Huntington Beach and Newport Beach, and then we're on the Mesa, which is kind of like a plateau bluff up from the coast.
0: That oh, sounds, it's, sounds uh, beautiful.
1: Yeah, and so we're two miles from the beach, so we get a nice breeze up on the bluff, and uh, can't complain.
0: Let's get it out of the way early. How has the lockdown uh, affected you and Jack?
1: Well, basically um, it canceled all of our gigs. So we are uh, officially out of work and indefinitely until um, things open up. We're staying in, we want people to be safe, saving lives, doing what we can. We will survive. you know, um, so it's, uh, but it's been, it's been nice to kind of have a mandated staycation in a way. And, um, I've been cooking a lot and learning how to make new things. Cause you know, after two weeks of cooking the same things, you're like, uh, I'm going to try, a yellow split pea soup or broccoli cheddar soup. Like I've never made that before in my life. And it's great. Um, But then basically once they closed in California, when the governor closed all the bars and restaurants here, that's where Jack would play most of his gigs as a working musician. So for him, especially he um, immediately, everything was canceled and I could tell after about, even after a few days, like, before, like four or five days of him not going to work, I could tell that it was physically affecting him, mentally affecting him. And we were out on a walk, and I just said, I'm like, okay, you are used to this daily interaction with your fans, like every day. Like, we need to do something for you and for us that we are every day, you know, putting ourselves out there, interacting with people on the internet, so we came up with our best medicine show, which is a daily a live at 5 p.m. Pacific time show. And we performed two songs, one original and one cover every day, no repeats. And um, it's been great. Cause we didn't want to also do a, a, you know, like a, even a 30 minute or an hour concert. You couldn't, we can't do that every day and performing mm-hmm. a lot of original music. And at some point it was just going to get old. So it's, it's having something new, every day it it keeps it fresh people love to tune in to see what we're gonna do um we've done songs from like the 20s to um prog rock tunes to dance songs to you know and then there's the original music which has been great because um like today was episode 55 and we've played 55 original songs wow and we're not going to run out of original songs to perform so it's (laughs) like it's really cool to have the opportunity to perform those songs that maybe don't necessarily make it onto an album or Mm. maybe just never got released or never got performed because there's so many songs. Mm. So it's, it's cool to have uh, the opportunity to play them.
0: Yeah. Is there any financial help coming from the U S government for artists?
1: Um, Not for, well, well, everyone there's a receipt is supposed to receive a Stipend, or I forget what it's called, stimulus check, and um, so we did receive that, which is you know it's just kind of funny because we just paid our taxes, so, <laughs> <laughs> so get some money back, half of our money back. <laughs> um, but uh, there, I, there is a thing uh, called the Cares, um, or it's a, I think it's through Music Cares, and they do have a thousand dollar grant that is available to artists. It's just a pretty lengthy application, which I'm still filling out, which I just have to prove and, and, and compile everything in a single document of all the cancellations and how it's affected mm-hmm. me, et cetera. So there is that, but um, I don't think other than that, at least with that, that I know of, um, we decided because we were doing these live shows and we are taking donations from fans. So it just, it very quickly became our new job and we didn't feel we were unemployed. And so we did, we decided to not file for unemployment and it's just a a new job. And um, we take that job seriously every day and playing music and making people laugh and having a good time. And it's, uh, I think it's, it's been going really well. We just, um, we are having stickers and pins made for everybody who donates
0: Mm. and
1: um, everyone's just been really supportive and, and helpful in you know keeping us going, and because yeah, we are not working
0: mm. our
1: normal, you know, things aren't normal, they're but they're All not right. normal for anybody. And I, I feel I don't feel it's right to complain, there's a lot worse people off, and people are dying. We're always gonna complain about something, sure. you know, when things were the way they were flying in the air, like going to an airport, everybody's miserable. <laughs> Everyone's complaining about something like there's they don't have peanuts or they don't have the soda they like or they no one's ever going to be happy.
0: Yeah. But also, I think artists doing shows from home, you know, and it not only helps their mental well-being, but also the people watching them because people are missing entertainment. And what I hope that people get out of this is that they start to appreciate artists and music a bit more live music, you know. Because, sure, you can play Spotify forever, but you know it's not the same as going to a bar and interacting with people in the flesh.
1: Yeah, and because it is through the internet, it's amazing who you can see live.
0: Yeah, true. With the exactly. click of
1: a button, yeah. you know, like Nora and Jones can- or... Mm. Yeah, you know,
0: like anybody yeah anybody yeah. <laughs> they're
1: probably out there
0: that's it and it's nice because you could you know if you have a friend who's also a fan of a particular musician you can watch together even though you might live in different cities or yeah. different countries and so it's it's interesting how it's changing the game a little bit and we'll see what happens but um let's put the lockdown aside for a minute and go right back to the beginning of your career i guess When did you realize you wanted to actively participate in music?
1: I was six years old when I made the conscious decision of I'm going to be a singer. (laughs) Excellent. And uh, yeah, I just, I loved, I think I loved the way, like when you sing the vibration that it creates in your chest and even probably like babies when they're making like cooing sounds and, just sounds in general like they're just like ah and they're they're feeling it you know and it's a soothing thing and um i think singing is very therapeutic and that way and um can be having a really crappy day when you start singing a song you just feel better you know there's i remember there have been specific times where i was playing a show and maybe i wasn't in the mood or say my car broke down or some you know, some drama in the day and getting on stage and it's just like, God, this is like the last place I wanna be right now. And, but it's like the show must go on and start singing a song and you're just Mm. like, life's okay. You know, so 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 it's a very positive thing. But also on the songwriting front of that, I started writing songs when I was 10 and it was from hearing songs on the radio and just thinking like, well, somebody just made this song up. So why (laughs) can't I just make it my own song? (laughs)
0: And that is but essentially a it, set, isn't it? And,
1: yeah. So, yeah. I mean, people are just making up songs. Yeah. So, yeah, anybody can make up the song
0: Yeah. Well, that actually that <laughs> that was going to be a later question, but let's let's have it now. Do you have a particular songwriting process?
1: Ah, uh, no. I mean, I do. I think as as you get later in a in a career, you know, I do like having deadlines or maybe a project um, that there's some sort of goal that I'm writing towards. Uh, but, uh, but other times, you know, the songwriting is very, it's a creative process, and it comes from random inspiration. And um, it really is important when you do get that inspiration to give it the time that it needs. So many times I remember a lyric coming to me or a melody coming to me, but I was in the middle of doing something else. And I kept you know, thinking like, oh, that's an awesome idea. I'm gonna remember that later. I never remember it later you know so it's really uh, honoring that moment of when that inspiration does hit to grab it yeah and that's and that's hard when there's a million other things going on in a day so they're jotting it down or singing a little voice memo into the phone
0: yeah for sure um you studied at the prestigious uh, berkeley college of music in boston what was that experience like
1: yeah. Um, and then Jack, that's where Jack and I met, he was a senior uh, when I was a freshman and we were both songwriting majors. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're a couple of songwriter geeks, but, um, it was a great school. Um, I loved it. It was, it was hard. You know, you show up to this school where there's amazingly talented kids everywhere you look. And it's, I came, you know, I was, mostly self-taught music theory for the most part at that point was like over my head. And Mm. um, I remember many times feeling like, like, Oh man, I'm going to quit. I can't, you know, like I'm not good enough, you know? And I think one of the hard, for anyways, when I was there, I felt one of the hardest things to do at Berkeley was to stay and to kind of get past your own self-criticism and, And just, I kind of went through with blinders on of like, okay, I might not understand everything and I might not be able to like take a ripping solo on my guitar or do vocal scatting, but how can I apply this education and this knowledge to what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. which was writing my own songs and singing. So you have to stay kind of focused, you know, and, and let some things come in one ear out the other. But, you know, applying what, those things you learn to what you want to do and I think that's the best way to go through any sort of education when a creative education Mm. like that whether it's painting or music or you know it's you got to do your thing yeah yeah yeah
0: absolutely take the pointers but then make it your own and I, Um. I was
1: I feel like I was kind of a late bloomer they say that most kids after graduating from Berkeley kind of have like this aha uh-huh moment uh about six months to a year after you graduate where everything kind of starts to make sense and click uh for me i think it was more like four years <laughs> and it was like writing songs and i was all of a sudden like oh that's what they meant by the hook or that's what they meant uh-huh. by having a catchy chorus or something, you know and it just you know i think i was in such a an emotional it was such an emotional time of my life that it was, I was writing music to really make my, just to make myself feel better. And it was almost like therapy. Mm. And so once I wrote about everything I could have wanted to write about and get all those feelings off my chest, then it was when I started writing like in 2004 and in 2003, mm. where it was kind of like, okay, now I'm, now I'm writing songs, yeah. different kinds of songs and I can write songs about anything. And then, you know, I love, writing about different stuff.
0: Um, in our Camuk magazine interview a few years ago, you told me your mother requested you started playing ukulele at your shows. <laughs> is, is she a big Uke fan then, or was it just because she liked the sound of it?
1: No. Uh, so, yeah, I had, I'd been, I think, just starting performing full-time locally. Uh, this was like 2003. And I had um, heard Somewhere Over the Rainbow by Iz uh, on a soundtrack for Finding Forrester. And I didn't even know it was on a ukulele, so I just put my capo at my fifth fret and would play along on my guitar with "Is chinking, Dinka chink-in, Dinka chink-in, Dinka," you know, just guitar. <laughs> and I did it at a show. I was like, it was like a private party, and I'm like, oh, they bet they'll like the "Somewhere with the Rainbow." And then one of my friends was there, who's he's kind of a mentor of mine, but he um, worked at the used to work at the post office and is now retired. He's much older. And he comes out of the side of the stage playing a ukulele with me, like the song, and I'm just like, "You know this song?" And he's like, "Uh, yeah, and you need to do it on a ukulele." <laughs> so i I kind of joked I was like I'm like, I actually tried ukulele before. it didn't work out so well. I didn't get it um I, I'm not buying one." And he's like, "Well, fine, I'll give you one of mine." So he invited me over to his house, and he had twenty nine vintage ukuleles hanging on a wall, it was wow. beautiful. And he just took one and um, gave it to me and it said Duke Kahanamoku on it. it, had a toothpick for a saddle <laughs> on the bridge. And um, I just immediately started writing songs. And wow. uh, so my mom would hear me playing at home. And so that's the only time she you know, heard the uke. And so she's like, you know, you should play that at your gigs. <laughs> And then I made up excuses of why I couldn't. I need another microphone and I couldn't plug it in. So then that Christmas, she bought me a ukulele with a jack that I could uh, plug in. And, uh-huh. and then that was it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do, do you find it easier to, to write on the ukulele than the guitar?
1: I do. I mean, I feel, I, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say easier. It's just, it's different. I feel that the ukulele for me as a player. I can get a lot more musical styles out of it. Like when I write on guitar, it's, you know, it's, kind of, it's grooving, but it's all pretty like strummy. I like to play around with the bass, with the low E and A strings. Um, so I miss having that texture with the ukulele, um, but with the low G, I kind of get away with some of that. But it just, you know, it was kind of, it was very like a uh, pop rock singer songwriter all the time. Mm-hmm. And with the ukulele, it really lent itself to, you know, like old time music and like this jet and then into jazz and like bossa novas and you can get really funky and it can also totally rock out. And it was just, and I felt there was a much more percussive instrument. And I think part of that is that the string, you know, there's only four strings, so you don't have the span, the wide, the width of the neck. With a guitar, you've got to like use your whole hand to like do any kind of muting and then playing with a pick. Mm. And so, with ukulele not having a pick, and you can go from finger picking into different, you know, rolls and strums and get different vibes. And so, I don't know. For me, it just it opened up a lot of different kinds of songs. Yeah,
0: Yeah. it is extremely versatile. I don't think a lot of people don't understand how versatile it is. But uh, speaking of the versatility of it, I mean, you've been using looping in your shows for many years, Um, and you were one of the first people. I saw do it with the ukulele. Uh, what do you like about it?
1: Uh, well, the looping, I it kind of started out as a songwriting tool. So as I was, um, it was during my 52 songwriting project, but even, I guess I did some looping in the covers project I did the year before that. And it was mostly just to, you know, loop horn parts or vocals or, but yeah, as I got into like, into the songwriting year, I would, you know, play a riff and record it in time and then just let it play and i go around the house and i go do laundry and do the dishes and and just having that music constantly going and i think what the looping did for me in the writing side of things is it it got me away from the my um my the tendencies that i would have to maybe strum a certain way or Enter the vocal on a certain beat um, that I could actually like sit back, count it out, and be very conscious about where I'm coming in from my melody. On the you know if it it is the same three or four chords repeated, you have to be really aware of you know what beat your melody is coming in on for the verse and for the chorus, and they should be different. Also, what note you're singing. It kind of allowed me to analyze more in the moment of my writing versus just strumming and playing and that's what came out and that's what it is mm, mm. so it allowed me to kind of work it out a little bit more
0: mm, it must have been helpful then, for also for recording because when you're recording you often you do the vocal track separate to the playing so it must have been good for timing and
1: oh yeah i mean your rhythm's got to be pretty you know on yeah, <laughs> with yeah. the looper it does not it is a. Uh,
0: it won't be your friend uh, if you yeah <laughs>
1: But also, it, it, I think, and then it, once I started incorporating it in the performance, uh, kind of figuring out how to perform songs from an album and maybe emulate parts from the recording that we did in the studio, mm-hmm. and say like, oh, well, the piano does this, or there's a, you know, the bass does this, and then I have a pedal that makes my ukulele sound like a bass. And so then I can do this, you know, riff for the bass, and then do the chords and maybe some backing vocals and how to put backing vocals in and take them away. And so I've really kind of had to learn. It's been a learning process for mm. sure of how to use the equipment and how to use it with the limitations. And it's kind of like the ukulele. The ukulele is very limited instrument, mm. and it's kind of making learning how to make it work. Yeah. So the two kind of they kind of go really they well go together.
0: together. Yeah. Tell me about the mouth trumpet. Let's, let's get into that. Uh, how, when, and why did you learn how to do that? And uh, I'm going to ask you to do it as well, of course. But uh, let's just go back to why.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, um, why?
0: <laughs> why not? <laughs> well, was, that is the right um, answer, I think. Why not?
1: So I did play trumpet in high school in jazz band and concert band. And um, when I first started playing ukulele, because it had this like, it was kind of like, my music took a 180 of like, it was like singer-songwriter, pop rock music, and then someone's like, here's a ukulele. And it's like, but ding, I ding, ding ding, it was kind of like this happy, like, this is different. Mm-hmm. And it had this a jazz, like an A-A-B-A song structure. And so usually in that case, you would, you know, have you verse, verse, the B section, you go back to a verse, and then you go back to the head with a solo and, I'm a huge Cyndi Lauper fan and I've, you know, heard her do vocal scatting. So my first song was like, you know, you know, Cyndi Lauper-esque that. But then I wrote my second song that was also an A-A-B-A, needed a solo song. And I thought, I'm like, I can't do this on every song. It's going to drive people nuts, including me. (laughs) And so I was driving and writing this song and I'm thinking like, you know what? What can I possibly do with my mouth, with my voice that might sound like something else? <laughs> and it took, you know, it was probably, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes of me talking to myself, being like, oh, well, that's that's a dumb idea, or you're that's going to sound stupid, or you're going to look ridiculous. And, you know, there's that inner critic that loves to chime in. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: And so finally I'm like, you're alone in the car, just try something, nobody can hear you. <laughs> And I took a deep breath. and was like, Burr.
0: oh, <laughs> <laughs> hello.
1: So I turned the radio on and I just started mouth trumpeting to whatever, you know, came on. And I was like, oh, I think that'll work.
2: Yeah, well, And then it I, I basically
1: does. lost my voice in the process of my first <laughs> day of mouth trumpeting. Because I'm like, how high can I go? How low can I go? Completely wore out my voice because it is using, it's still using the voice. And yeah. so you know, when you have someone who takes a solo, it gives the vocalist a break. But when I'm taking my own solos, <laughs> I don't get a break. No, <laughs> there's no, there's no vocal break, rest. <laughs> so, um, but once I just, it was like a week later, my voice came back and I'm thinking like, am I really gonna do this? Like, <laughs> if I'm gonna do this, I gotta do it really well. Yeah. And so I just started practicing it, you know, in, in bits and then really really started getting into you know Chet Baker and you know other horn players Miles Davis I mean whatever jazz in general and would put on whatever horn player and then try to emulate that horn sound and Chet Baker you know he also I think I don't know if he played horn as well but had a really like mellow flat tone with a tail of vibrato and I think, I mean, he, and I liked his music, especially because he also sang, so Mm -hmm. he was playing these horn solos, but then singing, and so I could sing along in the car, and then mouth trumpet along with Chet Baker, (laughs) and um, it's kind of a, it probably sounds really weird, but it's a very, like, zen thing of, like, you know, I think, therefore I am, and so when I'm, when i'm playing my mouth trumpet it's not of like i'm a vocalist trying to sound like a trumpet it really is a mental like flip of like i'm a trumpet it's kind of just becoming becoming the horn and saying you know what would the horn do right now in this music like am i am i just doing little fill ins between the vocal line am i Is there, are there going to be vocal, you know, harmony trumpet parts? Am I taking the solo and the arc of a solo? And
2: Mm. so
1: it's, it was, um, you know, it's been fun to study (laughs) trumpet.
0: (laughs) It (laughs) it must've been very scary the first time you did it on stage.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely, I think I feel like my career in general has been a very public work in progress. And I think that artists, you know, it's, it's easy to be perfectionists and it's easy to not put something out for the public because you don't feel you're where you should be yet. And I don't know. I think I've always just had the attitude of just like, well, this is what I'm doing now. <laughs> and just do that, you know? And yeah, you're going to get better and things will change and you'll evolve And my music has evolved through the years of now, you know, 11 albums. And that's just with ukulele stuff. And there's guitar albums before that. And I I think, uh, you know, so it was like, all right, I'm going to start doing mouth trumpet. And maybe at that time when I started, it was like, like, you know, I didn't have the articulation, but it was through, you know, years of listening to Chet Baker and other trumpet players that, I was like, oh, and needing to articulate with my tongue, and every note, because there's valves, like there's not really a, you can't do a glissando, like on a trombone, so it's kind of understanding how the trumpet works, and then, you know, but it took, it took me a a while, a long time, I would, you know, I'd say it was like three years before it got good enough, where James Hill is asking me to join him on stage and take a mouth trumpet solo.
2: Mm, Yeah. You know,
1: and other artists and be like, Hey, that sounds really cool. (laughs) You know um, at first, yeah, I'm sure it was horrible, but.
0: Well, I think that's a, a a really positive and, good message to get out there is is for all artists you know myself included massively included in this in that you you know just do stuff put it out there Uh, yeah and
1: as your audience grows it's it's hard to you know it's it's hard to not to follow that as well because you're like Um, oh my gosh I now have x amount of followers on this thing and I'm gonna put this out and they're all gonna see it and so that you feel pressure, more pressure. The, mm-hmm. yeah, the pressure to do something brilliant and great is constantly there. Mm-hmm. And so it is, I think, important to just remind ourselves to that it's just it's all a work in progress. There's no be all end all. There's no, no
2: like
1: performance of a lifetime. Like it's like yoga where every session is a practice.
2: Yeah. And we Absolutely. learn there's
1: something to be learned every show like yeah. and there's you know times where my pedal went you know something didn't wasn't working and it it's usually always user error <laughs> but um but we learn and we're like okay yeah not going to forget to turn up the volume knob next time
2: yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there's always you know there's always room for improvement yeah and i feel like that shouldn't be a reason to not do anything
0: yeah, it's having the, the bravery to do it in the first place is the, the yeah. thing that counts really, isn't it? And it doesn't matter what level you're at either, I don't think. You know, I've, I've read about people like Moby, you know, I was listening to a podcast about a particular time in his life where he was almost suicidal. When he was at the peak of his powers, you know, just got some kind of amazing award and making a fortune. But, you know, he felt like a fraud and he was obviously learning as well.
1: Yeah, it's that imposter syndrome, you know, like I don't yeah. I I can't be doing this. Like I'm not good enough or I don't yeah. know what the heck I'm doing. Well guess what? Nobody does.
0: Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly that. That's uh you know, we're all
1: learning and it's a constant it's it's constant, you know, yeah. of learning new things and being influenced by others and mm-hmm. trying something new and um yeah. Yeah. I've
0: always yeah. said if I ever have children, that's the one uh message i'd like to pass on to them is that you know, see all these people no one knows what's going on no one has it f- figured out <laughs> so,
2: just gotta so there's no
0: point yeah <laughs> well there's no point being uh, too uh, too much of a perfectionist just yeah give it a go now you do now play with jack as jack and the vox has forming a duo changed the way you go about creating music
1: Uh, Well, we definitely have a separate repertoire as Jack in the Vox. So there's still, so we do perform a lot of Victoria Vox music and um, songs that I write and release as a solo artist. But the stuff that we write together definitely has more of a kind of a folk Americana vibe. And, um, you know, we write with harmonies in mind and you know, whether it's duets or whether it's full harmonies throughout the whole song. I will say there's probably less mouth trumpet in general with the yeah. Jack and the Vox stuff and Jack is a phenomenal guitar player so when there's room for a solo the guitar is definitely it just uh I feel like it's more fitting for yeah. that style of music but we also like to have a good time too and um just it's just music playing music together.
0: Uh, do you have a, a favorite ukulele you're playing at the moment?
1: So I've gone back to playing my uh, my favorite uke, which is my MyAmoe. Uh, mm-hmm. Gordon and Shar are no longer building. Uh, they sold the company to Carrie in Chicago. And I'm looking forward to playing uh, one of Carrie's uh, built MyAmoe's. Mm. And I um, actually have one kind of in uh, design right now. Um, with also like a, a, with a, a pyro, pyrograph artist contacted yeah. me to burn a, an image oh, wow. into the ukulele so I'm excited but I, I prefer a cutaway a cutaway model mm-hmm. um, which Kerry currently is not building and I, I believe that he will be bringing that to the table so whenever he's ready to do that um, mm. hopefully you'll get a cutaway yeah. Um, I also enjoy playing um, Pepe Romero's tiny tenor uke. Uh, got one here that's
0: I see. I see it hanging on, on
1: the bottom of it. <laughs> um, and they distinctive they're, shape. They are great ukes. I love that they travel like a concert. The cases are tight. You know, like It's just like
0: I love the case. Yeah. You can grab it. Case, yeah. um,
1: and and it has a tenor scale neck, so I'm used to playing the tenor. And so uh, it's, it's wonderful. Um, he got me into the, the, I think it's the flat wound strings that don't make the squeak when you slide up.
2: Yeah. yeah,
1: So that's great. And then I also got this new uke uh, recently. It's uh it's been kind of my, my go-to favorite. It's called a Motu. Oh wow. So this Motu is a go-to and it's literally <laughs> like an inch. It's like thick. one piece of wood. And it's, I think it's like three pieces pressed ah, so it's and pie. glued together.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And so the sound hole's in the back and you can do this like oh, kind yeah. of cool wah
0: Yeah, it's thing. like this sort of open back 20s. But, I mean, ukes.
1: Yeah, and it's pretty, I mean, for for what it is, I was like, I tried one of these in January and I'm, I was like, oh my God, like that sounds great considering... <laughs> It's this.
0: It's so thin and tiny. (laughs) Like it's,
1: and they're pretty inexpensive. They're like you know 250 euros or something. Mm. But it's the only thing is it is a soprano scale, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: so
1: that's a little bit different. Um, limiting for you. Um, this particular model only takes high G, which I also normally don't play a lot of. Mm. Um, but it is just a really like I can throw this thing in its little case and put it like in my bike bag and you know it's, it's i'm not worrying about crushing it <laughs>
0: yeah exactly
1: <laughs> so this so this has been kind of like the the, the quick grab you <laughs> go
0: to motion
1: yeah um <laughs> so that's been fun and i i got a spanky banjo you hanging up behind my oh yes there. i see it so and that has a very distinct sound but is is fun and i love that as well and yeah just, I mean, I like trying I think as a songwriter and a creative, um, I, I do appreciate playing all kinds of nukes, and they all have a different sound and mm-hmm. will inspire a different melody or groove or vibe, and, and to kind of be open to that. Yeah. But my, but my, my MOA, I find, has a particularly nice, warm mm-hmm. sound. and I've, I mean, I've had it for seven years. So the one that I'm currently playing and it's kind of like when even when you change your strings, it's like, "Ah, yeah, I don't like how my ukulele sounds after changing (laughs) my
2: strings. Yeah.
1: I also don't like the sound of a new uke. Yeah. So I'm always very hesitant, you know, when if I do get a new uke to make that knee jerk judgment of like, I don't like it. Or, yeah. you know, down like how it sounds. It's like mm. it really does take a, a bit of playing and time to just let it like breathe and open up. And so there are yukes that I thought I didn't like and then, you know, just kind of kept playing them. And I'm like, and then people would be like, wow, oh, that yuke sounds great. You mm. know, and so it's,
0: That's it. It's just about getting comfortable with it and allowing yeah. it to open up. Um mm-hmm. you do you know Rem you know Remco Halpman? Yes. Yeah yeah, he's a big vintage Martin ukulele man in uh in Yeah, he
1: helped me uh, he taught me my triplet
2: strum.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's got a great triplet strum. He certainly does. But I remember him uh, I remember talking to him at a festival and someone had a brand new Martin uke and uh, he's into the twenties ukes like I am, the twenties Martins, you know. And he played that one, and he just gave it back. And he said, you know, it need give it another ninety years, and then it will be but ready. But you to know part.
1: what? He <laughs> actually is playing a brand new ukulele.
0: See now, wow, well, that's interesting. He is.
1: He had it. It was. It's a custom. It was made. It's basically modeled off of the old Martins, but it is.
0: Ah,
1: and I, I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, he is playing a new uke.
0: Okay, well, I'll going to have to hit him up about that.
1: But uh you have you heard of um uh ukulele off? Yes. Chris. Chris yeah. I yeah, I met him in uh the Czech Republic last summer and uh gosh, I mean, remco and Chris and then they had their friend Fred. I think it was Fred play Barry. Yeah, yeah. With them and they Betty were like, kind of like the, the rascal, the rats, something the rat pack or they had some name. <laughs> And they were just fabulous and we were all in the artist housing and you know, you just hear these guys practicing and it's just like, is this wow. for real? This <laughs> yeah. is like this is so, so amazing. Yeah. Like just the, you know, just hearing that music and it it just makes you feel good.
2: Yeah. And so absolutely. um I
1: did they did were they were kind of looking for songs to do and so I'm like, oh do you guys know you're never fully dressed without a smile? And they're just like, oh no, what's that? And it's from Annie, the musical Annie uh, from like nineteen eighty-four. Yeah, wow. But it's written to sound like it was a timepiece written in the thirties. You know, wow. hey, ho, man, hey, Dapper Dan, you both got your style, but brother, you're never fully dressed without a smile. And so I taught them this song
0: That's and great. we played
1: it at the concert and it was, they were saying, they're like, only Victoria Vox could get us to do a song from the 80s. <laughs>
2: they're
1: like, this is the newest song we'll, we'll play. <laughs> And, um, uh, but it was really sweet. Um, but yeah, and you know, they were doing that, um, but you know, just hearing that and they would, they would be going at like light speed, but you know, it's just like, it was just so great. <laughs>
0: Well, that's it. Getting back to the horrible lockdown, I guess that's the one thing, especially ukulele people will be missing is is the festivals because there's nothing like a ukulele festival really, is there? Yeah, and, Kamara, you know, and playing and... together.
1: Because of the latency on Zoom, there's, there's no playing together.
0: It's difficult. You know,
1: It's uh, you can have one person running the jam and you get to play with that one person mm-hmm. at, in your home. But yeah, there's just so much you can learn from playing with others in the moment and like looking at their fingers and they're like, oh, what's that they're doing? Oh, yeah, that, That's a cool strum. And um, I've learned so much from other performers and um, James Hill has always been very generous with his time and bouncing each other's ideas and things that I would say in a workshop. And he's like, you know, I've never thought of it that way. And I've seen okay. this, we learn from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kimo Hussey is another one who very early in my youth career, took me aside at the San Diego ukulele festival and was like hey Victoria like that was great I just I just want to show you something mm. and you know it was just so there was no ego there in him in you know coming up to me and just saying like I would just want to show you this little double finger roll just this mm. roll do this little thing with your finger and your thumb and I used that all the time yeah, to just emphasize yeah. a chord change and you know, go back to strumming. And, and um, had chemo not taken 10 minutes with me mm. to show him, you know, I wasn't, I didn't pay for a lesson. He was just like, hey, let me show you something. Yeah. So it was really cool. And yeah, James has done that and and Remco, you know, like here's it. Yeah, this is the triplets drum. Just look <laughs> this out, you know. So it's, yeah, I'm just, it's wonderful to be around such amazing artists.
0: Yeah, and we're we're all in it together. That's the nice thing, as mm. you say. It's not a competition. It's just about helping each other and creating the music we want to create, really. All right, uh, final question then. What does the ukulele mean to you?
1: Oh, what does the ukulele mean to me? That's a tough one. It means so many things. It means community. It means creativity, it means happiness, it means love, it means joy, it means rhythm, it means groove, it means, you know, playing music together. For me, it's a vehicle. Get an idea out into the world of a song, but that might have, you know, that might help somebody through something, writing a song that, that, they, that relates to them and what they're going through. So it's it's compassion, it's understanding, it's it's a lot of things, but all beautiful. It's beautiful. Ukulele is beauty.
0: There you go. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. It's also small. It is yes, very (laughs) portable. portable. (laughs) And 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 you can collect a lot of them. I'm surrounded in this room by about thirty odd ukuleles, but you can't even tell. (laughs) it's so small. Well, thank you so much for your time, Victoria. Thank
1: you, Cam. It's great. It great to see you.
0: Yeah, it is nice to actually see each other and, and talk to each other. But hopefully, we can do it in the flesh at some point. Yes. In the not-too-distant future. But I do. I actually just noticed that the koala attached to your microphone does have a little mask on. So that, that's good. I like that.
1: I love Australia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, hopefully, you'll come back. Maybe we'll bring Jack with you.
1: Yeah, and when we do come over, we'll you know we'll, we'll make it big. We'll, you know right.
0: we'll,
1: <laughs> we'll do it up
0: definitely We're gonna, like
1: rent an rv and camp or something
0: yeah well it's a good country to do that in that's for sure yeah
1: you know um because you know life is short and you never know when you're going to have that opportunity again so mm. um so when we do get that opportunity i think we'll uh we'll make the most of it yeah and i think that goes for just about anything yeah when we do get to do music live again and at festivals it's gonna i think it will really mean that much more
0: yeah hopefully we'll have a bit of the roaring 20s yes. when we come back <laughs> that'd be great
1: awesome well thanks cameron
0: thank you so much all right take it easy take care and say hi to jack for us
1: we will do
0: all right bye bye well i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did Please subscribe to Ukulele Stories on your preferred platform so you never miss an episode and give us a rating if you're enjoying the show. To take us out, here's Victoria with Same Dirt, a song with an important message for our times from her album Colorful Heart. Until next time, stay safe, keep on smiling, and keep on strumming.
2: choices we made because there are no mistakes only next time give each other the space to breathe sometimes it's all we need just to unwind a stranger on the other side of the planet or the neighbor next door we are all connected and we're human we have our own skeletons in the closet but drop it it matters not in the